Welcome to Your Big Sis Podcast. My name is Neha Patel. My name is Sonia Patel. And we are both South Asian, first-generation females currently living in Austin, Texas. And we both moved from traditional careers in healthcare and finance into the startup world. This podcast is for you if you're looking to do the hard work and peeling back the layers on yourselves to truly understand what's holding you back from living your best life. This podcast is for you if you're constantly feeling pressure to live your life by someone else's standards instead of prioritizing yourself. Join us as we pave the way for not just ourselves, but for all of our sisters out there. So today we have a super special guest, um, Pinky Patel, a mother on a mission to revolutionize maternal health care for all moms. Dr. Pinky Patel serves as a CEO and founder of Postpartum Rehab and Support at Myrie. After firsthand experiencing inaccessible postpartum care, Dr. Pinky Patel set out to create an affordable, accessible solution where mothers could have evidence-based support and rehab techniques after having a baby. As an 11-year clinical pharmacist and NASM certified personal trainer, eight-year pre- and postnatal corrective exercise specialist in Mama of Two, Pinky hopes to create a better, safer world for mothers to thrive. So welcome. We're happy to have you. But yeah, thanks for, thanks for joining us today. Um, uh, I had introduced Sonia to your account kind of um, probably about a year ago. Um, I personally have been following you for quite some time. And the biggest thing I love identifying here is like, your account is the first time I understood anything about pelvic floor health. I didn't even know what that was. I didn't even know um, that that's something I should be looking at before I look into pregnancy. And it's been so awesome to just have uh, you out there as a resource, like period. And so I want to thank you for that because I think, um, I think you know, you're on a mission that's much bigger than just your Instagram page. And but like starting from there just brought so much awareness to me and I wanted to make sure our listeners got, um, you know, got more information around, um, you know, what you do and what you're teaching and uh, what your goals are. Cause I think it'll be really helpful. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. I'm excited. I feel like I can't talk about the pelvic floor enough. So <laughs> this is an easy conversation to have. <laughs> and, you know, the first question I have is like, you know, why do you think that is like, why do you think a lot of women, um, don't really get this information or have good access to this information. I think, you know, anyone, any, a lot of mothers, uh, when they are heading into, um, uh, you know, a, a family stage in life, they have OBGYNs and other doctors, but, and yet like this you know, still seems to be a gap in information. Like, why do you think that is? So when I embarked on this, um, whole journey of what's happening with pelvic health, why is this a, why are mothers telling me, you know, I was, I had just become a pre and postnatal certified trainer. And that was because I had to do a CE because I'm also a personal trainer. And so I was like, you know, this is probably relevant information for me to know if I'm going to have a baby soon. I was pregnant. I was about to be pregnant with Karishma. And then women were like, Oh, pinky after your babies, you're going to pee on yourself. And I'm like, for somebody who's very anatomically obsessed and like physiology and all those, the science in me was the scientist in me was like, that doesn't make any sense. So then I started, I found a book and it was like French women don't pee on themselves. And I was like, wait, so you're telling me I'm going to like pee on myself. And all these things don't sound really exciting on top of birthing a yeah. human. Kind of scary. And then these women over here are telling me in another country that they don't pee on themselves and they're glamorizing. So what are they doing differently? <laughs> so I'm reading this book and I'm like, oh, they have something called a 
physical therapist that comes to their house. The government pays for 10 of these visits. Someone comes to your house before you're cleared for all this exercise. And let me be really honest with you. Like when you walk out of that hospital, it feels like you fly off this cliff and everyone's like, whoosh, see you later. Like your OB appointments, all these little touch points you had in pregnancy. It's not that you I was, I was like walked out of the hospital and there's nobody. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, so their care is different. Ours is very different. France does this really well. Um, so that's when I was like on this journey of figuring out why. And so going through pregnancy myself two times, also working with women who are pregnant, you know, I have friends who are OBs. I love my OBs, but my OBs are like, we don't, we don't get training. We're not physical therapists. Mm-hmm. Like someone should be in that room saying, Hey, you're cleared because we've looked at your pelvic floor as a society and being in America, we're very obsessed with things that are on the outside. We're very, mm, everything has to be a quick fix bandaid. Um, we have a muscle bicep, the bigger it is, the better, the nicer, the abs, the better. We're not obsessed with a muscle that you can't see. So of course it's shoved under the rug. Um, ideally at your postpartum visit and your pregnancy, all your pregnancy visits, someone should be like, Hey, are you strengthening your pelvic floor? Mm-hmm. Because it's a muscle is holding your rectum, your bladder, your baby. And then you push the baby out and they're, and they're like, who, what, what do you think was responsible for this? So that's what's kind of like, you know, there's a big gap because honestly, there's a lot of work to be done in women's health. And we, as a country have yeah. a really interesting narrative where you're like six weeks, you're good to go. And I'm like, no, you're slinging around a car seat. You're picking a baby in and out of a crib or a bassinet for like six weeks. Like that's just not very glam glamorous to talk about it. So yeah. 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 But if you Google pelvic floor and pregnancy, you'll find a bunch of stuff online. And I what I love is like when you do go down the rabbit hole of doing your own research, I feel like it's super tough to advocate for yourself as a patient, especially if you don't come up from a background uh such as yours, right? Um, and so what I appreciate is kind of the service you're providing is like starting to just fill in the gap. Cause then this allows a patient like myself in the future to advocate for myself or ensure I have the right support system in place. Cause like you said, essentially you're kind of leaving the hospital and then there's, there's like not really much support. You kind of have to build a village. And I think other countries have figured that out and have provided that. And by providing it, they're informing people who wouldn't know that they even need that. Mm -hmm. Um, The thing is we're not being provided that. And therefore we don't even know we need it. Um, And so it seems also like one of those things that only those privileged can maybe have resources like that. And so that kind of segues into, I think, what your goals are with the app, just making this stuff more accessible. Yeah, like democratizing care, right? So we say that certain countries, I I say that we're behind. There's a lot of countries. We have like 44 paying countries and that was without marketing or ad spend. That's crazy. And that triggered some, right? So I'm like, somebody was typing in because I... I launched it three weeks before having urgent, right? So I'm, I was like, here we go. And then I was like, wait a minute, somebody typed in postpartum into an app store or a Google play store in another country. Cause they were obviously struggling. And so it's not just America, but it's that there's a lot of work to be done. It's just that no one's really figured out how to do it. Mm-hmm. But the first way is to make it accessible. And so mm-hmm. I always ask myself, what do I have in my hand when I came home with the baby? I had my phone. I was willing to spend any amount of money to have a lactation consultant come to my rocking chair because there is a human being that needs milk from me. And I, I couldn't, he wouldn't latch. There's the first four weeks were just brutal. And so that's one aspect, right? But 
you mentioned something about advocacy and even if even though i considered myself health literate i still had to work very very hard to have someone take me very seriously mm -hmm. and advocate for myself so if that was something i if that was a challenge for myself i can only imagine what it's like for other women and i had yeah. a, i had a ton of friends recently i feel like in the last like 2 years that were new moms um, and they had the same experience of like, you kind of just get pushed out of the hospital once you have a baby and nobody really kind of teaches you what to do afterwards. Like you said, your baby didn't latch or, you know, whatever they have those problems. And who do you go to for, for help like that? Unless you have your OB appointment or, you know, you go to your weekly checkups afterwards, who teaches you that because yeah. you are in charge of another human. The first person that sees you is your pediatrician for your child. Yeah. So it's, the, the funny part and not so funny part is that both of you are leaving with the diaper when you walk out of the hospital. <laughs> like, did anybody tell us that part? And then you're like, okay, so I remember waddling into motherhood and maternity because I was like, oh my God, oh my God, the bras that I got were not big enough because my milk was coming in and I was engorged. So I'm waddling into motherhood and maternity as we're going to Karishma's pediatrician appointment. I'm about to word vomit everything to this pediatrician because my doula's hurt enough. I had a doula, right? I was, I, I didn't even know how to spell a doula when I, when I, when 2015, but I got one because I was like, hey, I think I need one in America or else I'm screwed. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But I, I would call her and then I was like, okay, I'm going to the pediatrician appointment. So I get my bra for motherhood maternity. And then I waddle into the pediatrician office day three, the first checkups for the baby. It's not for me. And I'm like, then she gives me a mental health paper which I lie on. I always lie on those because I'm like, I don't have time. I know exactly where we're going with this. We don't have time for this. Yeah. And then I gave it back to her and then they checked the baby and there happened to be a lactation consultant there because I did my research and I was like, I want, I, I need to have a space where I can just go like, take my ladies out and be like, show me what to do mm -hmm. with yeah. my diaper on. Um, nice. And so like that, that's the first appointment. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I think we're, it, this is just similar to every single story I've heard and I can't, and unfortunately I can't, you know, I, I can't emphasize enough. I think every mother out there today knows that this is such a big gap. I just love that there's people like you trying to fix that. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I would love to kind of, uh, hear kind of your product journey from day zero, um, and kind of where you'd like to, where, where you'd like to go. Yeah. Day zero, um, zero technical, zero technical background. Um, I'll be very honest when I didn't even know like how to create an LLC cause they don't teach you anything like that in pharmacy school. <laughs> and so it was literally ground zero. And then it was like, well, I'm going to just keep working as a pharmacist cause I'm going to pay for this idea and validate this, you know, beyond myself. Um, I was pregnant when I built it. And Karishma was very chatty. She was two years old, like, you know, right there with me. And then Arjun was about to come out. You said so you launched three like, weeks I... before he was born? Yeah. So I was like, all right, like there's a video on my Instagram. I'm like massively pregnant. I'm thanking everybody to download it. And that's the day my water broke. I'm wearing this yellow dress. I'll never forget it. And I was like, thank you so much. You guys have downloaded this app. You know, we're, we built it community first because I'm like, when you don't want to spend money on marketing, because you have to figure out like, what are you doing? You know, it's product, right. like, you know, there's product market, but all those things down the road, um, we were built community first. And I was, that was really, that, that, that was our core. And it still is because I leaned on community when I was in, you know, experiencing challenges 
and we got really creative, you know, and I think that's been our kind of our North star. Like if you lean into your community, you listen to what they need, they'll tell you. And so, but yeah, when I launched it, yeah, I was like, yeah, let's put it out there. I have to be honest. I'm a perfectionist. So that's very paralyzing at times. And so I was like, this is not perfect. This is not perfect. And that was like, you just got to jump off and like build your parachute on your way down. Um, yeah, water broke and people were using it and I had to get the content loaded, you know, and it was like a, our beta version of where I was loading all of this. And I told my husband, I was like, you got to wait. Um, I'm not in pain and my water broke, but just hold on. I got to fix a few things. And then I, uh, he was like, don't have this baby here. And I was like, eh, it'll be okay. And then Arjun came out in eight hours and it was fine, but launched it. I was still working full time. Well, I was actually on maternity leave, but I was not because I was working on Myrie. And then honestly, COVID had happened four months later. And the week that COVID happened, I was supposed to go back to work full time. And I did. And this was still kind of, kind of people were using it and I was testing it. Um, and now we are still available for mothers online to use, but we are working with employers and potentially partnering with health systems. And you're going to the so room. Awesome. You're going to the actual solution. Like, wake up. You guys need to be involved. I like that. Right. Yeah. We're it's 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 our way of impacting more mothers and employers are realizing that moms aren't supported. And I'm like, how long did this take? Because we have the worst maternity leave of all the countries and you're just now realizing. And then they're like, people ask me, employers ask me, they're like, why do you think moms don't talk to us about the messiness of postpartum? And I said, because when we come back to work full time, we are held to those same standards and we don't want to underperform because we still want to make money. And we want pride. We have pride in our, what we've built and our careers. And so we're not going to be like, oh, I'm just so tired and Right. I, I, I'm underproducing Suck and I'm up. feeling so guilty and I can't find a wall for my pump because I didn't realize that I didn't need to have a charge. Like, we're not going to tell you all of those things because then you're going to punish me for not right. the second, being 100%. The second so that like, you do that, they they use that as your weakness. Oh, well, she's a mom now. She can't perform the same as she used to when that's couldn't be further from the truth. No, I mean, I have, I'm a, like, you know, I've, we've raised a little bit of capital and like as others raise that other, that are women of color, I have friends right now who are hiding that they are pregnant because to investors, they can't even tell them that they're pregnant. They can, yeah. but it comes with consequences. Mm -hmm. And when no one really wants to say it out loud, but why do you think someone's hiding their belly under their Zoom? Yeah. And it, it's like, it's, it's a really big medical event in someone's life that I think is just like so normalized and expected of like, all right, you just suck it up. Like, and, and no one's actually saying that. I think employers are better than that these days. But to your point, the standards are still there. There's the last thing a mother needs on her plate is trying to ask for, um, trying to get back into work. Like you said, there's passion and, and there's a drive to get back to what you were good at outside of. And we have livelihoods. Mm -hmm. right. Right, right. We have livelihoods. And so when you walk out of this is shell of like three months of like what who am i and my hormones are all over um and i've created a human and you're trying to find your identity again the one place you might find your identity is your career mm -hmm. and you're thriving and you're like i don't want to tell them i can't do it so kind of you know we are kind of superhuman i hate to say that because i hate like oh you're super mom and then you're like oh i am do i have moms are literally you know? superheroes. Yeah. i tell all my friends this because it's so true so so true 
and and sometimes it's like some moms take that in a negative way because they're like, I don't want to be a superhero. I just want to be like Spell a normal person. Yeah. Know? And so they're like, oh, you're a superhero. I'm like, I don't want to be that. Like, I just yeah. kind of have to be because I don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. That, that's the biggest thing. Um, you don't have a choice. And I think, uh, you know, my sisters puts it like that all the time. Like, yeah, I might be tired. I don't have a choice. Like, I'm going to get it done. Whatever that thing is, it's setting up the first birthday party while also managing a work uh, deadline and, uh, you know, trying to take care of oneself in whatever way possible. Cause post, and that's where the postpartum journey, I feel like, just gets neglected. That becomes the last thing the mother is thinking about sometimes because they're thinking about the the baby, work, yeah. other things other than themselves. And I think, um, you know, the more – I love it when I see more content out there where it's emphasizing this care that's needed because it just makes it more front of mind for, for mothers and, and fathers too, for well, them the to problem, understand. Yeah. The problem is also this though. We, in a way, hemorrhage ourselves because we're like, well, we have to do that. We have to do the first birthday. We have to do these things. If I outsource these things, I'm not competent enough. I'm, I'm not a good enough guilty. Mom. Mm-hmm. No, there are things that I outsource now that absolutely I will not do. Before it was like I was doing a lot of things because I left my job, all security after two and a half years. And there was, I was not paying myself for a long, long time. Right. And so I was like, okay, I am going to be the Ausley Norber. I am going to do all these things. Like, this is not the glamorous part of life, right? Where it's like, but if you can do a few things where you outsource them, do them like happily because, right. And, and, and so not, not shaming yourself or guilting yourself because you can't possibly do it all. There's some things that you do really well. And there's some things that someone else needs to do really well mm-hmm. that can yeah. be delegated. And I think that's, um, that's really helpful for, for anyone to hear. And I think also goes to show how, how you're, juggling kind of your timeline here. So you're, you mentioned day zero to day, let's say 100, you were full-time and working on this. Um, you know, where are you at now in the journey and kind of what's your, what's your like short-term future look like with Myrie? Yeah. Expanding out our, you know, now that we've received a little bit of our funding, we're scaling, we've, we've, we've kind of adjusted our business model with the employers being so eager to work with Myri because we are such a accessible and affordable solution for them. The journey's changed. Um, the product roadmap still involves expanding out our postpartum care, but partnering with those to help us scale mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. places that would be difficult for us to scale alone. Um, I still think there's a three to five year journey, if not more with Myri. Um, but yeah, we are now, and when I, when I talk about funding, that's, I say it very lightly. It's a huge part of it was, the come up. It was the hardest thing I've ever, it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. And I've done a lot of things. <laughs> Neha and I both work that's for um, startup companies. So we totally understand the importance of funding and what that looks like. The rejection is super hard. Um, and also like reporting to your potential or your investors, you know, all this, as it goes forward, things change and it's a lot of stress. So you are a superhuman um, because you're a mom of two and you're doing this amazing thing. And I think it's a passion project too, because that's what drives you. You said you can't just, you would feel guilty if you just kicked up your feet. Yeah, I love that. And this is just, I think this turns into kind of firing up anybody else that's genuinely passionate about filling a gap that can serve a ton of people. Um just kudos to you to just getting back up and also making that really big jump and leap at a time where a lot of things were unknown. 
in, in general. Um, and so I just, um, I loved following you during that journey because I think you're just really raw and open on Instagram. And I think it just goes to show like the behind the scenes of founder life. It's not, it's not extravagant at all. Mm -hmm. It is extremely difficult. It is, uh, not for the week. Unfortunately, it's just, it, there's too many places where someone can break and you just have to be passionate enough at the end of the day to push through that. Um, Super cool. I didn't know about Myri until Neha brought it to me and I'm a new follower of yours. And this is like crazy. I'm not yeah. in any position to have a kid anytime soon, maybe in like seven years, but this is so helpful. <laughs> yeah. I, like I personally, like, I think it's just, what's mind blowing to me is that I've been following you for a while. I, I know my family plan and I wanted to make sure I had resources available and it's like kind of sad that this is the only time I've come across something that I feel like was going to actually bring me to the whole cycle. And one, again, thank you for providing that, but also what the heck? <laughs> like, why is this the only centralized place that seems like it'll guide me in a way that's sustainable and on a phone? Because like you said, that's literally going to be the easiest way mm -hmm. to have access to this information. Um, so, yeah, I think, um, you know, I just I wanted to make sure our audience kind of got a, a deep dive into what to expect, if, especially if they're in this stage of life and are looking for resources. This is there. Um, and so I'm excited to to share this with our audience uh, once this episode gets posted, because I feel like it'll be really helpful to a lot of people. And to your point, it's just because I think there's a lot of shame around the topics Um so yeah, thank you so much for joining us today. And thanks for sharing um, your history, uh, more information about your app, and more importantly, kind of advocating for, for all new moms out there. Thank you so, so much for listening in. Please do us a favor and share this episode with your friends, family, and neighbors. Better yet, please tag us on Instagram and leave a review if you enjoyed this episode. See you next time.